Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Thank you. What an amazing thing to be in the presence of God and to be in the family of God, to be in the body of Christ, to have brothers and sisters, not just even in Cork, but around the world who can pray and break, break beyond geography, break beyond the natural barriers to pray the very kingdom of God, the very power of God, the very anointing of God into situations. Folks, if you feel powerless, pray right now. Pray, 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 pray. Pray for each other and pray for me as well. I could do with some prayer. <laughs> I'll always take prayer. Uh, folks, uh, I, um, I, I asked the Lord for something to share tonight and God's put something on my heart. I want to speak to you about multiplication. God spoke to me this morning. He said, tell them I am the God who multiplies. Tell them I'm the God of multiplication. I was actually smiling as Pastor Nick was praying. I took it as confirmation. So that's confirmation to speak that God is the God of multiplication. I want you to know God's will for you is that your life would be fruitful, that you would go out and your faith, that seed of faith, your salvation, God would bring it to multiplication. Many would be touched and blessed through your life. In other words, God's will for your life is that you would have a harvest, there'd be a harvest of righteousness, that you'd be fruitful. But I want to speak to you tonight because the Lord's been speaking to me and I think some of us are carrying a mentality. And I want to talk about a mentality that, that, that I think some of us are carrying and it is the enemy of fruitful, uh, fruitfulness in our lives. It's the enemy of multiplication in our lives. And, you know, we're, we're, we're in a funny time. It's a funny season. We've got more time than ever uh, to spend on social media. It's not a good thing. Listen, if you're spending a lot of time on social media, I want to in love caution you because as you look uh, at the lives of other people and as you drink in uh, what social media tells you about other people, because we know it's not really what's going on. If your life was that great, you wouldn't have time to post about it, right? But you're looking at it and you're drinking in the, uh, what people want you to think about their life. It's not a good thing. It's breeding comparison. And I want to touch a little bit on, 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 on a mentality, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that is rising up, I think, in the people of God at this time. Because listen to me, we're in COVID now, but we won't be forever. We, God is going to bring us out of this season. God is calling us to a fruitful place. So I want you to know that. And there's two things I want to say to you at the beginning. God's invitation, right, is for you to give him what you have said in your heart is nothing, okay? And God's intention, right, is to multiply it. So I want to speak to you, that, multi, that mentality, that way of speaking. Okay, I want to speak to everybody who said in their heart, I've got nothing to offer. 
And I want to speak to everybody who said in their heart, I've got nothing to give. I want to speak to everybody who said in their heart, well, I'm not as talented as this person. I'm not as gifted as that person. I'm not as handsome as Patrick. How I could never, I could never, do, do, you know, do you know what I mean? We all do it. We all look at the lives of other people and we look at their blessings and we look at their gifts and we look at their resources. And in our hearts, we say, well, maybe I should just leave it to the gifted. Maybe I should just leave it to the blessed. God wants to bring a harvest out of your life, okay? We are all grazed. We are all blessed, including you. Listen to me. God's inviting you to put your nothings into his hand. He's the God who, he's the only one who can divide, who can multiply zero and get something. He's the only one, amen? He's the only one, right? Listen to me. I, I want to look at two passages, two passages of scripture. I want to look at two individuals, two nameless individuals in the scriptures. They're nameless, okay? And the first one is in Matthew chapter 25. It's a well-known parable. It's the parable of the tenants, or excuse me, the talents. And then I want to go to John 6, and I want to look at John's version of the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, so I want to explore uh, two unnamed individuals. Okay, so let's jump in right now. I can't read all of Matthew 25 to you because we don't have that much time. And there's so many different ways that we can look at the passage and so many different ways we can get a take on it. But I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read some of it. And then I want to focus in particular on verse 14. Okay, but let's, uh, uh, let's listen right now uh well let's let's jump in right now um yeah let's go so excuse me from verse 14 uh for it was uh it, for it will be like this is jesus uh he's speaking about the kingdom of god it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property to one he gave five talents to another two and to another one each according to his ability then he went away he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he had the two talents and made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground a hole and hid his master's money. Wow, verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Okay, and it goes on to talk about the one who had uh, been given five talents, went, they multiplied, he got five talents more and he was brought into the joy of his master and the same with the one who had two talents. But look here, look here in verse 24. He also said to the one who'd received one talent, oh, oh excuse me, here we are. Where are we? Where are we? Here we go. Verse 24. He also said who had received, to the one who'd received one talent, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. This is the um, servant speaking about his master. It's his perception of his master. And look at this, verse 25. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talents. I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. And it's verse 25, really, I want to look at. I was afraid, so I buried it. I was afraid, so I buried, Lord, 
what you gave me. The steward buried the gifts he should have put out into the world because he had a wrong view of God. Now I want to explore this. Look, there are five, there's a a servant who'd been given five talents. Now I want you to look at a talent as a resource. The master goes away on a journey, but he leaves some of his property. He graces his servants. One, he graces with five talents. He gives them resources. And the other one, he graces with two talents. He gives them resources and to the final one he graces with a talent but he graces all of them listen we've all been graced we've all been given something by God the master's gone on a journey but he's coming back amen time time is short don't worry you've been graced amen you've been given gifts you've been given talents you've been given resources I want to explore this look at what happened okay three servants are graced Two servants go out and with the gifts God has given them, with the grace God has given them, they go and they put it out into the world. They go and they put out those things into the world and they get a return. And one buries what he should have put out into the world. I want to talk about multiplication here. There are two mindsets. There are two mindsets I want to look at. Two mindsets I want to look at. He buried it. Okay, he buried it. Why did he bury it? There's two types of people. We're all graced, but there's two types of people. There's, there's the, I have nothing to offer people, right? That's the, 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 the one talent person, the one talent mindset, as opposed to the five talent mindset, which is I've been blessed to be a blessing. Okay, one says I've been blessed by my master. God has given me grace gifts, resources. I see the value in my calling, my gifting. I will live a life seeking to bless out of my blessing. That's the mindset of the five talent guy. He was the first to go with his talents. Do you see that? When you begin to take stock of your blessing, you begin to move out of that blessing. Lord, when I look around my life and I see what you've given, how could I not be generous? Lord, when you've been generous to me, how could I not be generous? Surely if you've given me this much, the supply won't run dry. How can I be a blessing, Lord? That mentality... But for some of us, we approach life different. We say this, I'm not as gifted as the next person. I don't have what they have, so I can't step out, Lord. I'm not as called. I'm not as important. They have all this faith. It's different for them. Let them do it, Lord. What do I have to offer? Listen to me. Look at this. When, you, when fear causes you to disagree with the purposes of God over the grace that's on your life, you are burying somebody else's blessing. You're burying somebody else's blessing. What God had intended to be a blessing to others, you have called small and put in the ground. How many of us, we've got gifts but we don't want to step out because we're not as gifted as that guy. Well, if I don't get as many likes as that guy does, I'm not going to post that. But what if that post blesses somebody? What if there's a blessing in it just because you're not good? Some of us, some of us have buried our one talent blessing because we don't have a five talent life. Some of us, Listen, don't let comparison cause you to devalue the potential of the grace God has put on you in your life. 
Stop comparing yourself with other people. Stop looking on social media. Uh, now we're, we're in a, a ministry age. Every pastor who doesn't have a million followers on Instagram preaching a stadium isn't cool. I mean, preachers with kicks is a thing. If I'm not cool now, if I'm not a cool pastor with a cool name and a cool ministry, I can't, I can't serve the Lord. I can't be a blessing in my generation if I'm not a big name. It's amazing the way, the, what comparison can do to us, Lord. I've got things in my heart, gifts I want to bring out into the world, Lord, but I'm not going to do it because I'm not quite as good as that guy. It's for sure. What's the difference? It's not what God has given you. It's how you see what he's given you. It's different. Stop comparing yourself with others and agree with God. I've been blessed to be a blessing. I've been resourced to be a resource and I've been gift, gifted to be a gift. Said so you've been gifted to be a gift. You have gifts. Stop arguing with God. And we dress it up as the past thing. We, just, uh, we dress it up in humility. We're so good at the humble speak. Irish, or, uh, you know, or, 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 we're so good at dancing around the fact that we're, we're not willing to say yes to God and step out and say, no, I am called. It's a gift. The master gave it to me. It's not mine. I didn't generate it. I didn't come up with it. It's not me on display. It's not my identity. It's a reflection of his generosity. He gave me something. He gave me some, some of you, your teachers, your preachers, your evangelists, you are. Some of you, there's, there's gifts in you that, that could change a generation, but you're so busy counting your brother's blessings, counting your brother's talents and burying what God gave you in the grounds. Come on now. Come on now. The kingdom God needs, there's a return on, your, on the investment in your life. There's a harvest on the investment in your life. Come on now. Come on. When you take stock of the grace that's in your life, you start to give thanks. Listen, there can be no fruitfulness without thankfulness. For some of us, it's time to start giving thanks. Lord, I am not going to live another day looking around, looking over the landscape of my life and coming to the conclusion that somehow there's a lack. That somehow, God, you've not been generous. Somehow, God, you've not given graciously more than I could ever ask for or imagine. God, even the spirit you've put within me. The Bible says that he can do infinitely more that we can, that, than we can ask for or imagine according to that very spirit in you. Are you going to be one of those people who says, well, all I have is a cruise of oil. All I have is a cruise of oil. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Look at the need, look at the hunger. All I've got is a cruise of oil. All I have is the anointing. All I have is the third person of the Trinity living inside of me. I have God living in me. How can I think that there's a lack in my life? Some of us were prisoners of the moment. We're prisoners of comparison, prisoners of the moment. There's two reasons why we bury our talent and comparison is the first one. I think about that servant. It's funny, the one with one talent, he looked on at the one with five and two. So the one with five went and then the one with two went. And maybe the one with one talent looked on and said, well, I'm never going to get that five talent yield or that two talent yield. So I'm not going to bother. 
I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother. How can I? It's, it's not going to work for me. It's not going to work out. And besides, my master's harsh. My master, he's, he takes, he doesn't give. It's funny, his view of God in the end, his view of the master was wrong. How many of us are burying the blessings that others could be enjoying because we look at God the wrong way. You're harsh, you reap where you didn't sow. In other words, you're a God of subtraction. You're a God of subtraction. Listen, for some of us, we need to begin to dwell on the Lord's generosity because it's the beginning of our own. He's been generous. He's been generous. And you can be generous. You can. Your life matters. There's a purpose for your existence. You're called and you're gifted. Rise up in the strength of that and begin to believe that there is a harvest at the end of your faith. Don't look to the left or to the right. God, give us the grace to be generous with what we have. With what we have. God is not, listen to me, God is not asking you to produce another person's fruit. He's not asking you to, be, to produce the fruit that he's producing in another person's life. I want to look, because you've got this one mentality here. And, I, and you know, we've gone through that and I wanted to highlight that. And for some of you, you're saying, that's me. That's me. That's how I look at it. Every time I feel a prompt to, to, to say yes to God, I'm full of excuses. Well, I can't do it. I don't have enough. He's not given me what, the resources, the gifts. He's not given me the talent. He's not given me this and given me that. Well, I want to look, there's another mentality and there's another way to approach the talents God has given us in life. And I want to look at John chapter 6, uh, uh, verses 1 through about 14. I'm going to look from verses 7 through 14 in particular. But I want to look at the, uh, uh, at the feeding of the 5,000. It is a miracle that appears in all four Gospels. So you know the Holy Spirit wants us to take something away from what happened. Jesus has just heard about the death of John the Baptist. And the scriptures say he goes to a desolate place. Okay, one of the instances says that that was Bethsaida. He goes there to commune with the Lord. It was Passover. It was that time of year. And the Bible says that the crowds followed him on account of the miracles and the things that he was doing. It was a time of, de it was a desolate place. There was much need, kind of like now, desolation and much need crowds who need a touch from the master there's need things are happening let me read from John chapter 6 and then I want to break down some of this here because I think that there's some things that can help us to begin to break out of that mentality and begin to approach uh, multiplication differently John chapter 6 after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Large crowds followed him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, seeing a large crowd was coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him for he knew himself what he would do. Philip, I want, he's testing Philip to see whether Philip understood where the source really was from, okay? Verse seven, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a boy here who has five loaves and two fish. 
But what are they for so many? What are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was, this much gra- there was much grass in that place. So then the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftovers, the fragments, uh, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who was coming into the world. Amen. Now look at verse seven here. Look at verse seven. Philip, some instances, some other gospels describe it as the disciples. They see the crowds, they see the people And they begin to ask questions. They begin to verbalize. They were so busy talking about the size of the problem and about the lack of their resources. So busy verbalizing it, that perspective, that attitude. So busy looking, man, look at the crowds. We don't have enough food. Jesus, come and look at this problem. Jesus, come and look at this lack. How many of our prayer lives are like that? Lord, look at the problem. Look at the lack. And the Lord is in in glory saying, am I chopped liver? I'm the God of multiplication. You've forgotten who you're talking to. You've forgotten who's in your midst. You've forgotten who I am. I created the universe with a simple word. I spoke light into the darkness. I spoke the stars into being. And now your problem is too small for me that you would forget who I am and go to your own strength and your own reasoning and your own understanding. Listen, the problem, the problem is this. It's your perspective that's limiting your potential. It's your perspective, you're looking at your life going, how could I ever be this? How could I ever be that? Look at the problem, look at the issue. It is your perspective that's limiting your potential. It is not what you have, but what he can do with what you have, okay? Verbalizing your unbelief is locking you into a perspective. Close your mouth, close your mouth. When that, when that, just because it's in here doesn't mean it has to come out of here. Just because you feel that way doesn't mean you need to indemnify that by speaking it. The more you speak it, the more you lock yourself into a perspective. Stop telling God it won't stretch. Stop telling him it won't stretch and start thanking him. Shifting your focus begins by shifting your vocabulary. The disciples had a one talent mentality. There's no way we can break through this. Jesus, I don't, I can't see it. My mentality won't allow me see the God of multiplication. And I love this. Verse nine, enter a no-name boy with a packed lunch. <laughs> and the disciples, what do they say? They say, well, what is that for so many? The disciples were about to bury what this little boy intended to be a blessing. They were about to bury it. Don't bury the gifts of those around you under your unbelief. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't speak it. Don't speak it. They, they had a one talent mentality. And I want you to imagine this. And this touched me today as I was preparing. 
I wanted to imagine this little boy and I think maybe it just became more real to me because I have my own little boy now and he's getting to that stage where he's responding and he's reacting and, and in a funny way he's more human, <laughs> more of a personality. And, but I want you to imagine this little boy, there was 5,000 men, probably 20,000 in the crowd altogether, including women and children. And here's this little boy. I want you to imagine this little boy and he's, he's, he's followed the crowds. He's heard about Jesus, the healing. He's heard about Jesus, all the victory, all the things this prophet of God is doing. Maybe he's heard about Messiah at home. Maybe his parents have said, go follow, go watch. This is Jesus. Maybe his parents have sent him out with a packed lunch and a heart full of faith. Go out with a pack, go listen to the master, listen to the teacher. And this little boy, he comes and he's out and he's watching and he's looking at the disciples fretting and he's looking at the crowd hungry, wondering where they're going to go. And maybe you can hear the conversation. Oh, 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 oh we need to send them away, Jesus. We, we need to, oh, Jesus, let me tell you how I'm going to fix this problem. And he's listening to it and he can see the disciples fretting. He can see the hunger in the people, but beyond it, he can see the God of multiplication. He can see the God of multiplication. And I want you to get into this kid's mind. Get into his mind. I want you to look like a child. I want you to catch the innocence of his faith. Looks at the crowd. Looks at his lunch. Looks at the crowd. Looks at his lunch. Looks at Jesus. Looks at his lunch. Looks at Jesus. And doesn't take his eyes off Jesus. And he walked along and in his innocence, the innocence of his faith, he took the little that he had and he gave it. He didn't bury what he had. He blessed it. He didn't bury what he had. He blessed what he had. He gave it to Jesus. The disciples couldn't see it. Listen to me. Listen to me. The difference between the gap and the offering is the God of multiplication. Jesus it's time to pray. Jesus, take what I have, multiply it. It's not what it is in my hand, Lord. It's what it can be in your hand. It's not what it is in the natural. It's not what it is when I look down at it, but it's what it is when you break it in your hand. Feed them, Lord. But folks, see, you can only give what you believe is given you. He had to first see where that came from. See, this it's not just bread and it's not just a bit of fish. And he didn't leave the house going, well, I wish I got pizza. I wish my mom gave me money for McDonald's. He didn't come out with that attitude. He came out going, I'm rich, man. Look at this. Look at that. That I have something at all. And maybe he was hungry himself, but he gave it anyway. You see, what you, what you have said couldn't stretch to meet the need. Jesus can multiply until even the leftovers are more than the investment. He won't fail you. What you put in his hand, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11, I think verse one, says that you to put your bread out on the waters and in many days they'll return to you. Put your tuna fish sandwiches out in the waters and they'll return to you more than you know. See verse 10, Jesus calls the people to sit and only those seated, seated received. And this multiplication, it happens in a place of rest. You need to, some of us, we're running, we're panicking. We don't understand, we can't see. We, we're, we're everywhere but on Christ. It's time to sit down and wait to receive. 
Jesus looked to the Father, and this is really, this is what, what I want to focus on or end with even. Remember, the provider will also be the multiplier. You just sit and you wait. But Jesus, what did Jesus do? He took it and he blessed it. He looked to the Father. He looked to the Father and acknowledged the source of the blessing. Hit pause. The tenant, that the servant, looked to the Father and saw a God of subtraction. He looked at his master and saw only a harsh master who takes away. And yet Jesus looks to the Father and sees a benevolent Father, a God of multiplication. He's a God of multiplication. He gives thanks to the source and then he blesses what otherwise we would call not enough. He blessed the not enough. He blessed what we, what we, what we, what we label as not enough. Jesus blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. He blessed what many of us would have buried. And verse 14, finally, the glory went to the Lord. He'll get glory from the multiplication that comes into your life when you stop saying no and labeling as nothing what in his hands could feed the multitudes. Amen. I hope that that moves some of you to trust again and that God would have his way with you. You, can be, you, can, you will be fruitful in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.